and we're going to continue to move into what we've been talking about for the last day or so, uh, or the last week or so, John 17, as we're moving there, uh, we've been talking about better together, better together. Now, I will say this, last week, I know we, we, we got looking at the word and realizing that we, as believers, are not called to live Lone Ranger Christian lives, amen? amen? We can't do it. We were not built to do it. We were not created to do it. We were, we're not even equipped to do it. We are called to not operate as me, but operate as... Let me hear you again. We are not called to operate as me, but we are called to operate as we, we us. And here's the crazy part. I even struggle to some extent the fact that we're, we're even us here at White Hill because we're just a small portion of a much larger body that sometimes I really wonder, should we even be separated as much as we are? Amen? How many know that in the Word of God... Uh, um, Paul did not write a letter to the, to the church in Rome uh, on Main Street and the church in Rome on Wayne Avenue and the church in Rome on Old White Hill Road. No. How many churches were in Rome? Oh, I, how many churches were in Rome? One. How many churches were in Corinth? How many churches were in Galatia? How many churches were in Ephesus? Oh, I've, I've lost you and I just got started. Oh, my goodness. How many churches were there? One in every city. So you can already look at the fact that the, the unfortunate divisiveness that the enemy has brought to divide the body of Christ, even in our little town of Stewart's Draft. It's not, we're all on the same team, but we all are still visiting and worshiping it very different places, aren't we? I know the Lord's heart is that we be one. Is that not what he's called us to be? Let's look at John chapter 17. John is not for them alone. Let's start with verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be what? Let me hear you again. That all of them may be what? One, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that, you may, that they may be one as we are one. We're going to get to 23 in just a few moments. Now let me ask you all a question here real quick. What does it mean to be one? Unified. Anybody else want to throw out? Unity, unified. Anybody else? What is it to be one? Well, I'll tell you one thing it's not, okay? It's not just having a common goal together. It's not that we, uh, we look the same, we act the same. It's not agreeing to disagree. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I think we really need to realize that there's a difference between unity and oneness. You can be united around a common cause, but guess what? You're still not one. I want to focus today on oneness. 
Oneness is what Jesus and his father had. Jesus and the father had. What did they have? They had a oneness in purpose. They had a oneness in essence, in mind, in heart, in passion, which exceeded any organizational unity. What does man try to do? We try to organize to make things happen, right? I mean, we have marches here. We have uh, gatherings here. We have all sorts of stuff in the name of unity. But how many of those people are actually operating as one? Now, the same question today lies for us as a body of believers. We have gathered here again Sunday, March 11th, around a common goal, common cause. What is that? His name is Jesus. May I ask you a question, though? Are we one? We may be in unity as to why we're here. I hope so. But are we one? Let's dig in a little bit deeper here and see what's going on. See, here's the thing. We can be in the same room together with a common goal, but never be of one mind and one heart. Oneness is just. It's above just being in the same building. Bible study, covered dish, the Father. And when it came to the Father and it came to the Son was the will of the Father. And we know that his greatest commandment is the embodiment of even his will. And what is that word? Love. Love. And honestly, oneness, I'm going to sum it up and then we're going to dig it, dig it apart a little bit. Oneness is when we all are loving God and loving who? Loving God and loving one another. Let's take a look here. Um, the first church. Luke chapter 24. I, I don't want you to turn there. I'm just going to read something to you. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Uh, this, this is the beginning of the first church where we see it's starting to take off. Jesus said, I am going to send you what my father had promised. Okay? But, everybody say but. Whenever that word but is there, you know, something's important following. But, King James uses the word tarry. NIV uses the word stay. The meaning behind the Greek word basically says, sit down and be still. How many know the song, be still and know that I'm God? Be still, sit and be still, but not just sit and be still on your own, sit and be still. I didn't hear you. Sit and be still together. Sit and be still together. He said, I'm going to send you what my father's promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. We have got to stay together. See, to all that come together with one mind, unanimously expecting God to move in our midst should be all our focus, our mindset. See, most people don't want to sit and be still. How many know that? I mean, we can't even sit through a service without sitting and being still, right? Not to listen to a person, but listening to who? It's difficult. In fact, if anything, half of us are asleep and the other half are thinking about what we got to do when we get home, right? It's hard to turn this thing off because that's where we are. And that's what keeps us so much about ourselves rather than about us together as a body of believers focusing on Christ Almighty. 
Other things are on the mind. Things they don't even know what. But they're missing the fact that God, we, we can't do anything without you, without you and each other. We cannot operate without you and each other. Hmm. Matthew 26 says this. Jesus was stepping off to the Garden of Gethsemane. He had brought three disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. And he said, guys, I'm going to come over here and pray. Because Jesus had the weight of the world on him. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to pray. And I want you guys to do what? Sit, wait, and pray with me. I'm going over here. He comes over here for a while. He prays. He comes back. What were they doing? He says, oh, come on, guys. Come on. Can't you just pray with me for one hour? Went back over. Came back. What were they doing? Sleeping. Again, at a loss. At a loss as to uh, what is going on. And who was at a loss? Jesus? No. He's the one saying, uh, why can't you guys just watch with me for just an hour? But these guys were at a loss as to why he was asking them that. And the reason he was asking them that was this. Guys, I want to be doing this together because you don't know how alone I'm going to be in about 12 hours. I need you to be with me. I need you to sit down and tarry with me, stay with me, be with me now. And you know what he, he goes on to say? He says, why? Jesus says to those three disciples, says, if you're not careful, you're going to fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? Now, can I ask you guys a quick question? And you're going to probably think I'm out of my heretical mind. Jesus was all God, but he was also all what? What was he asking of those three men to do with him? Stand with him and pray with him as he continued to face the greatest temptation to do what? To run. You say, but it was Jesus. Guys, he'd made it that far, but how heavy was it? According to, I believe it was Mark, said he was sweating what? Blood. I need you guys. Stand with me. I need you guys. And see, for all of us here, for all of us here, we need each other. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, we need each other. We need each other. Don't look at, no, no, just look at, look, at, look at your neighbor. Say it again. We need each other. We do. How many know that without each other alone, we're going to fall into temptation? It's a falling into temptation. How many know that when we try to go it alone, we're going to fall into temptation every time? How many know when we go, try to go it alone, we are going to find ourselves really desiring to do the right thing? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? We need each other. So all these, with one mind, one purpose, they were continually, the church, they were gathered together, they were devoting themselves to prayer, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, they were seeking to do what God had called them to do in Acts chapter 1. They were gathered together because when Jesus said, tarry in the city, some of them took him seriously. How many times 
in the Word. And specifically, let's look at Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the gathering. How many times do we take that seriously? There were those that took seriously what Jesus said. Stay here in the city. Don't move. Don't go. Now, let me ask you guys this. How many have heard that little statement, if two or three are gathered uh, and agree on any one thing here on earth, it shall be theirs? Right? Anybody ever heard that? There's a little thing that we often overlook, though. The word here is if two or three agree. Everybody say agree. Agree means, as well, not just to have an intellectual connection, but actually be united in what? Spirit. So just because two or three people are gathered together because they're here to worship Jesus, does that mean that he's present at that moment? Does it mean he, just because they want to worship Jesus? How many people sing praises to Jesus but live a different life? We must be united in what, folks? Spirit. We must be united in spirit. We must be drawn together in spirit. We must be connected in spirit in order for this to work. When it says when two or three agree here on earth, then, the, then anything they ask the Father in heaven will give them. Well, how many people turn that into Santa Claus? And then wonder why it's all crashing down when it doesn't happen. We have to dig in a little bit deeper. Agreement is not having similar thinking, but being one in spirit. If you're right in spirit, then we are right with one another, and we are one. Folks, let me be very clear here. It all boils down to this. If I am right in spirit, then I am going to obey the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my strength, and neighbor as myself. I, if I, if I'm in right spirit with the Lord, then I will be in right spirit with who? And when I'm in right spirit with you, we are what? We are one. Now, a lot of this is introduction stuff. I'm going to get to it here, the heart of this in just a moment. But what I want us to look at is this. If we are not one we don't have a church. We don't have a body. Now, how many people have seen church operate without Christ Jesus as the head? How many have ever seen that happen before? How many have ever seen bake sales? How many have ever seen fellowship meals? How many have ever seen board meetings? How many have ever seen services operate without the presence of the Lord? How many? We've been there, haven't we? We've seen them. Why is that? Because people are really good about organizing when they realize something else is missing. Whitehill, I cannot do anything without the head. And the head is Jesus. The head is Jesus. And if I begin to look at the fact that the head is Jesus. The head is not the church leadership team here, folks. The head is not Dave Chapel. I'll tell you that. The, the, the head is not any leader in this church. The head is Jesus Christ. He's the one we should 
we should be listening to. He is the one we should be seeking. I know a lot of times within board meetings and, and business meetings and whatnot, we get so focused on our organiza the organizational aspects of things. Isn't it interesting? And I, I, I know some of you guys, that, like I said, if you want to throw stuff at me, I'm always open to that. Isn't it interesting? The more the church stepped away from just being still before the Lord and in His Spirit to hear what He had to say about any situation, once we stepped away from the, seeing the churches doing that, guess what they brought on board very soon after that? And it happened in the last, I mean, it happened over the century, but we saw a great example of what happened. They bring in something called Robert's Rules of Order. Anybody ever heard of that? I'm not knocking Robert's Rules. I'm just saying, guess what? Why is Robert? Because if we were, because the church has not sought the Holy Spirit. Because if we were one, we wouldn't need Robert's Rules of Order. Okay, I've lost everyone today. Woo! If we were operating in oneness, we would not need Robert's Rules of Order. Amen? Hey, but it's a, good, it's a thing to protect us. Well, guess what? Moses wrote up uh, certificates on divorce. But was that the right thing? Not according to Jesus. Folks, if we are not in right relationship and walking in oneness, we can't even operate right. We can't even operate together. Jesus is the head, Colossians 2.19, and the body is knit together by joints and ligaments. How many have ever had a broken arm before? Broken bone? It hurt, didn't it? It hurt. I think what's kind of worse is when you have healthy bones in there, but the joint is messed up. You know that that arm is in good shape except for the joint. And because the joint, you got three healthy bones and you got healthy bones in there, but the joint's not working, what happens to the rest of the arm? Completely useless. It's interesting here, Colossians 2.19 says... Jesus is the head of the body, the, bo the, 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 the body of Christ. The body is knit together by joints and ligaments. That's us. We're the joints and the ligaments. And how we interact with one another and our relationship with one another. And really the ideal situation is if we are one, then the whole body works correctly. Right? But if even one joint is out of place... Does that limb work very well? And that one joint can represent one person. You say, how important is it that I be a part of and be in one, oneness and walking in fellowship with my brothers and sisters? There's a chance that if you're not a part of that, uh, the, the gathering and the fellowship, there, that we have been weakened away from what God has intended for us. It is so vital that we gather together as a body of believers. It is so vital that we come together and know what it is that God has said for us. See, let me ask you this. How many of you here have walked in your past, you could be walking in your present right now, in a bad situation regarding a relationship? And when I say a bad situation, someone hurt you, someone... 
now, it could have been two weeks ago, it could have been yesterday, someone hurt you and you are refusing forgiveness. How many in here have walked that road before? You're refusing forgiveness. Or you're so hurt. How many have ever seen, and maybe you've experienced, within the, the four walls of the meeting house, somebody on this side of the congregation was upset at somebody on this side of the congregation, and we had broken relationship. And maybe it wasn't this meeting house. Maybe it's other meeting houses. But let me ask you this. How many have seen that in the church before? Can I ask you a question? If, and, and I'm going to be very blunt with this, if we as a body are called to oneness because it is by our oneness that God can use us powerfully, if anybody in our midst is walking in a broken relationship, what does that do to that oneness? Every time. Do you know how absolutely wrong we are, church, to not pursue reconciled relationships amongst us? It is absolute sin to sit there and have unforgiveness towards somebody. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. You are walking a dangerous line if you are walking, sitting there knowing that you need to forgive, knowing that that's there and you refuse to. You have put yourself in a very precarious position, a very bad position. But here's the sad part. Don't miss this. Not only have you put everybody else, or put yourself in a bad position, guess who else you have put in a bad position? Because guess what? Not only are you going to miss out on the blessing because you refused reconciliation, guess who else is missing out on the full blessing? Don't sit back and think, oh, it's my own problem. It doesn't affect anybody else. When you walk in brokenness, whether you did it or someone else did it, when you walk in brokenness, it affects us all as believers. Who heard that? It is so vital that, guys, we begin walking in right relationships with one another. Because what does the word say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your... See, that's where oneness starts to come in. Ask. Do with oneness. Oh, my goodness. Anything we ask. <laughs> because if we're walking in oneness, we're asking for what he wants. And he is very willing to provide that. Amen. And the more we walk in oneness, the more we desire His will. And the more we desire His will, the more it changes us as a body and unites us together and brings us together. <sighs> this is why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, he said this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that all, did it say all or some, all of you agree with one another so that there be no divisions among you. And that you may be 
perfectly, oh, I like that word, perfectly united in mind and thought. See, the Lord's desire is to take everyone, every believer in this house, those who have declared that Jesus is Lord, believed in their heart, confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, have walked in salvation and are walking in, in, in being transformed and changed. He wants to gather us together, bring us together, unite us together, and make us what? Did anybody notice how, uh, especially in Ephesians, but in a couple other areas too, where he would talk about marriage, a man and a woman brought together and they are made what? And guess what the comparisons oftentimes would happen too? Jesus and his what? And the church. The church is just this. It operates in the same way. With a husband and wife, the Lord supernaturally makes them one. The body of Christ, Jesus the head, we're the joints, the ligaments, we're the body. Supernaturally, we are made what? One. We are made one. So the bottom line is this. We have got to be in oneness before we can effectively be the body of Christ to the world. And here's the thing. How many have met people who are all about serving others, sharing the gospel with others, uh, evangelism, um, teaching, the whole nine yards, but they themselves are not living a one life with the rest. Whether it's refusal to reconcile with someone, whether it's refusal just to uh, make themselves known to the, the rest of the body. See, here's this. Lone Ranger Chris doing anybody any favors, including themselves. Lone Ranger Christians and Lone Ranger couples and Lone Ranger families, and I know I'm treading on toes, but guys, this is the honest to God truth. You are not doing anybody any favors. In fact, you're doing damage to yourself and the rest of the body who needs you. No, this has nothing to do with money. No, this has nothing to do with service. No, this has nothing. To do. This has to do with the fact that God has says has says this. Father, make them one as you and I are one. Make them one. So that the rest of the world will know that you sent me. See, that's our purpose. To grow together, encouraging each other, loving one another. And then that love, the rest of the world sees. And they will know. Many times I, 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 I get, um, I find it so humorous. How much time we go through th so-called evangelism workshops? Anybody ever been to one? I actually, just so you know, I actually run them. <laughs> For our district, I do some. But I find it humorous because I'm going to tell you what. If we simply were operating as a body, Christ as our head, Holy Spirit filling us, leading us, we wouldn't need instruction. He makes a promise. He'd give us the words to speak, right? What people would see would draw them. Why? Because they're not seeing me. Who are they seeing? We make it very hard when he says simply this, love one another. Love one another. Love one another. John 17, 23 says, uh, it goes on to say here, it says, 
I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, here's the cool part. If you don't humor me here, turn to the book of Acts real quick. If you don't mind, please. Acts chapter 2. And uh, I've just been wanting to focus on oneness today and the fact that we are called to oneness. And this is what happens. Just turn to Acts chapter 2 and then take a quick look up here. What does it mean to be one? It means that in any, every way, in every moment, in every uh, opportunity, I am putting your needs, <laughs> I am putting who you are above my own. Philippians chapter 2. Doesn't mean I'm, you're better than me. It's simply saying, my concern is for who? My concern is for who? Our brothers and sisters. My concern should not be first for who? Me. Henceforth, this is not about me, but about we. Because if I'm concerned for Brother Dave's uh, needs, and I'm concerned for Brother Dave's walk with the Lord, and I'm concerned with uh, who he is, what's reciprocating right back at me? But if I'm focused on this, 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 and doing what I want to do, there's a pretty good chance I'm missing out on everything that the Lord wants to do connecting me with other people. As he unites us together, he says, okay. Throughout the scripture, he says, you know what? If any of you have sinned, confess. Oh, that just scared half the American church when I said that. If any of you have sinned, confess your sin one to another. Is that not what the Word says? We don't like that. Why? Because we live in a society that has created us, has instituted us to be very private, individualized people. It's all about the what? The outside, not the inside. A lot of pride. But he says, confess your sin one to another. Why do that? Because you're going to find out, A, God's grace is very real. And has anybody ever confessed sin to somebody else and instead of uh, what you thought might happen, like they might get mad at you or this, that, and the other, they actually turned around and showed you grace? Or me too? <laughs> Hello? How does the Lord want to show grace? Through us. How does the Lord want to show mercy? How does the Lord want to show His love? How does the Lord want to show His, His, His faithfulness? Are you following what I'm saying? If you don't take that risk of stepping out and saying, okay, I know who I am in Christ Jesus, and all these people say they know who they are in Christ Jesus, so I'm going to walk out and I'm just going to continue to allow myself to be known. And as I allow myself to be known, I'm getting to know. And we're both finding out that me too. Yeah. Yeah, we've been in the same boat. Before you know it, we both come to the realization that without Christ, we can do nothing. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Suddenly, our eyes are focused on who? And we're beginning, we're seeking about His will. And before you know it, we're praying the same things. 
We're seeking the same God. We're seeking the same thing together. And we're desiring greater things for the person to the left and right of me than I am for myself, as they are doing for me. And what's happening, while all of that's beginning to happen, what's happening? He's making you. But when you make church all about you, then you show up when you want to show up. You tell what you want to tell. And you make who you are visible only to those you want to make it visible to. That's not oneness. And you say, wow, Dave, you are getting heavy here. No, all I'm simply saying is this. It is time to start, start coming out of the shadows and start coming into the light of the fact that there is a real body of believers. And I'm, not, I'm just using us as the example here. There's all over the world. There's a body of believers that you are a part of that the Lord wants to use in a mighty way, and you are an integral part of that body. And He wants to use you guys mightily by making you one. And there's only one, one way to do that, to be together let them see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hello? Let them see the good, the bad, the ugly. I don't know how many people said, I didn't come to church today because I was crying so hard, or I, was, or I was so angry, or I was so this, or I, was a, I was just such a mess. And I'm thinking, wow, I, would do pro- I, I, I battle the same feelings, but the problem is there is no better place to be than here. Oh, I'm struggling so much inside of myself, or I'm, I'm so angry at that person across the aisle. Go grab another brother or sister and have them walk with you over to the other person and, and make it right. I've heard people say, oh, we don't come to church anymore because we just have a hard time with the per- this thus and such a person. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So you're damaging yourself and you're damaging the rest of the body who needs you. He said, boy, you're laying this thick. Yes, I am laying this thick. This is how heavy it is. I'm not talking about White Hill Church of the Brethren. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Amen? That's what it is. And isn't it interesting? They did not have to tell the disciples, get together every day. They just did it. They didn't have to say, now, guys, you're going to have to have everything in common you're going to have to, you know, take care of each other, this, that, and the other. Yeah, they just did it. Why? Because the Lord made them what? And they allowed that to happen. Then our prayer is here that we realize how much better we are together than alone. How much better we are together when we present ourselves, the good, the bad, the ugly, but the saved. I present the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and by the way, just so you guys know, this is absolutely one of the hardest things in my life to do. Anybody else want to say me too? But this is the body of Christ. This is what they did. This is what the Lord desires to do. And so when we listen to Christ and we do what He says, and what was the scripture I shared with at the very beginning? He said, Jesus said in Luke, He said, look guys, I want you, uh, I'm, you're going to meet the Holy Spirit. You're going to get empowered and you're going to do amazing things. But first I need you to what? Be still and wait together. Right? Right? Is that what he said? Okay. Acts chapter 2. Here it comes. When the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together. Who'd they listen to? Who'd they listen to? And I love the good King James word. They were in one accord. What's that mean? They all had the same, and all had the same, and their eyes were all focused on the same. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and I like this. All I want you to do is read the first word and and the second verse. What's that word? Suddenly. Suddenly. In one day, White Hill Church of the Brethren was gathered together in one accord, one heart, one mind, one spirit, and suddenly. One day, Pastor Jim's life group was meeting at the, at the house. There was at least two or three there that were in agreement. Mindset, heart set, spirit. And suddenly, one day, Brother Lane's Sunday school class was back there meeting one Sunday morning, and they were back there, and they were in one accord, seeking the face of the Lord, growing in His wisdom and the word of the Word of God. One heart, one mind, one spirit, and suddenly. Suddenly what? You know what church probably had it look the most together, at least from America going on? They had to see in Revelation. But, you know, Ephesus, church Ephesus had a lot going on. They had it all together. In fact, Jesus said, hey, I know your deeds. They look, you guys look really what? You're looking good. In fact, you're even taking a stand against things that are unbiblical. You're looking good. Wait, you're not budging. You're not being pressed back by what, 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 the, what, what the nation is saying. No, you're standing firm on what the Word says. You're not budging. Awesome. You know what Jesus said about Ephesus? He said, you're doing good things. But this I hold against you. You've forgotten your first love. I want to emphasize again, what is that command? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and to. You know what I think happened? I think we had some very industrious, strong, solid people in the church of Ephesus who were united around the cause of Jesus. but got so into it on their own that they forgot to be the body. And were no longer what? They were no longer one. And Jesus says, hey, this one thing I'll hold against you, you've forgotten your first love. Because without your first love, who is the what? You can't be the what? And you better watch out because I'm about to come in and I'm about to take your, 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 your lampstand away. And what is that? Your witness. And what did Jesus say in John 17? Make them one so that the world will know you sent me. Right? Oh, guys, we have got to start operating in this sense of not the fact that, hey, we get together to talk about Jesus. 
We get together to worship Jesus. No, we get together so we can be knit together and be a powerful body of believers with the head being our Lord and Savior. We've got to be that. We've got to be that. Because I'm going to tell you what. Is the church effective any other way? How many prayer events have you seen where thousands come and they seek the face of the Lord? I mean, over the last 50 years. They seek the face of the Lord. And they're passionate. And they're gathered together. But is there a suddenly attached to that event? I don't often see suddenlies happen. Why is that? Because I think a bunch of individuals come together and they really are unified around a common cause. But until we are one, we're not going to see a whole lot of suddenlies. Now, I'm going to ask you one question, Whitehill, and I'm asking this to myself too. How many want to see some suddenlies? I want to see a suddenly. Suddenly, this person that I never thought would ever come to know Jesus came to know Jesus. Suddenly, this person who was sick was healed. Suddenly, this person who was broken and falling to pieces came out of nowhere and didn't have to do a single... All we had to do was proclaim the name of Jesus and live it as a body. We have lost what it means to be the body of Christ. We really have. I'm afraid... I. When I say we, I'm saying in America because that's the country I know best. I see other nations. I see other nations where a, a, a fresh outpouring is happening, and I'm seeing a oneness like I have not seen before. I'm not saying we're not unified. Hey, we all get along here, don't we? I tell some people, I tell other pastor friends, I'm one of the most spoiled pastors I know. I said, I hardly have to deal with any flack whatsoever. I am so spoiled, it's not even, it's not even funny. That's not your excuse to go start flack now, please. But because there's other churches, I mean, this is no lie. I have pastor friends who mark their tenures at churches as to how many fires they had to put out. That's not the body. I'm sorry. You're not even a church. The body is walking as not with the pastor as the head, not with the board as the head, but Christ Jesus as the head. Lord, change us and make us one. We thank you and we praise you, God, for who you are. Lord, we're just praying for us suddenly. But we realize that our suddenlies, the precursor to suddenlies, Lord, is us being willing to be brought together. And, Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Draw us together. Make us one, Lord. Make us one, Lord. Make us one, Lord. Here we are. We open ourselves up to you, Lord. If there's any area of relationship problems that we have with one another or others around that could be creating conflict there, Lord, convict us, Lord, that we would walk that out and we would go and we would make that right. Lord, and thank you for the strength to do that, Lord. If there's brokenness amongst us as a body, Lord, here that's holding surface that we would deal with that, Lord. May we not even leave this place today if there's anyone here that's holding unforgiveness towards someone else in this body today. May we not stand in here or leave this place without making that right. 
Not because it feels good, but because you told us to do it. And you promised you would give us the strength to do it. Lord, I don't want to do church just to do church. Lord, I don't want to just keep gathering together. Make us one as you and the Father are one. Make us one. Make us one. And we thank you, Lord, as we prepare here on the home turf then, as you're making us one, then the suddenly begins. Now, Lord, I don't declare, I don't declare that all is lost. Certainly not. Lord, I believe a great revival of oneness is coming amongst the body of believers in America. And I believe, God, we're going to see an outpouring like we have never seen before, Lord, in Jesus' name, because there are so many that need to know you. And I want to give you glory and honor, Lord, that you made a way when there seemingly was no way, and that, Jesus, you died on that cross. You rose again. You took our sin. You defeated death. You brought us victory in life. Thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. And we give you all the praise and honor. Lord, I thank you that you have saved me, Dave Chapel, and you have saved me then, Lord Jesus, to continue to transform me and change me, but also to make me one with the rest of these, bo- these believers here. And I thank you, Lord, that you want to do great things in us and through us in Jesus' name. So, God, I just want to give you thanks. I want to give you honor, and I want to give you praise, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Make us one. Make us one, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for making us one. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, Lord, we need you, and we need each other. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. I'm going to have you just stand right where you are, and I want you to look around, a brother sister around you, just say, hey, we need, we need God Almighty, and we need each other. We need each other.